You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked on Packers, the number one podcast in the state of Wisconsin for the Packers, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We are here on a Wednesday, and there's breaking news to discuss And we're going to get to that Jimmy Graham news to start the show. We're also going to get to your questions in the second half of the show. A lot of really good ones and and frankly, too many to get to all of them in the time we have allotted here today. Tomorrow is going to be dedicated to our look at the outside linebacker position. Our off-season report card series begins in earnest tomorrow. Uh, I have done a good deal of study in the draft with those outside linebacker prospects and and man Nick Bosa and Josh Allen are really good and Cleland Farrell is too I know that Ja'Kai Polite is a name that a lot of Packer fans have been looking at I know Brian Burns is a name that a lot of Packer fans have been looking at but if Farrell is there at 12 he will be awfully intriguing but all of that conversation can be saved until tomorrow when we look specifically at the outside linebacker position Today, let's start with Jimmy Graham. Ian Rappaport reported yesterday that the Packers plan to pick up the $5 million bonus due to Jimmy Graham, which essentially means they are not going to cut him. They're not going to post June 1 him. They are going to keep Jimmy Graham on the roster in 2019. And before we we, we get into what this means and why the Packers might have done this, let's just deal with the simple fact. So... What what the Packers essentially said was, we didn't think cutting Jimmy Graham, which would have saved them about $5 million this year, was worth it relative to the dead money cost, which was about $7.3 million. So they have to pay that money to him no matter what. That is a sunk cost. That money is on the book. So whether or not the the contract that was given out last year was a smart one. And I think at this point we can say pretty safely, regardless of what happens, I mean, unless he turns into old Jimmy Graham this year, unless that happens, the contract is not a good one. Jimmy Graham is unlikely to live up to the value of this contract in 2019. And he is very unlikely to live up to the lost value from the 2018 season, given what the Packers paid for him. Now, That is not the same as deciding it's better to pay the $5 million plus the $7 million in dead money all in to have him on your roster relative to just saving that five and having to pay that 7.3 no matter what. 
So what the Packers are saying here is we'd rather have Jimmy Graham and not have the five million in cap space than the five million in cap space because that is that is really the only trade-off. That seven point three million figure is coming no matter what. That is gonna be paid. There's just there was no way around it. So when you look at this and you say, okay, well, the Packers made a mistake in signing Jimmy Graham. Okay, I agree. I wrote about it for SB Nation this week. I said it's not that the Jordy Nelson move that was the mistake. The mistake was believing in Jimmy Graham and paying him what they had to pay him because it didn't seem like he had enough other suitors, enough other interests. Why that move had to be made on day one of free agency. And you have to come in and, and say, Jimmy Graham is going to be our $13 million guy. That is now irrelevant because of the way that contract is structured. That $7.3 million is paid no matter what. And so I can see the logic in saying, okay, well, they, they already have to pay this money. They would rather have that guy on the roster and pay that money than not. And, and here is where I think the roster change matters. I think it's where the coaching change matters. So when we look at this, and we talked about this on a show last week or the week before, about why I thought it made sense to cut Jimmy Graham. But there is a case to be made for keeping him. And it, it, it basically looks like this. The Packers have Mercedes Lewis, contract up. They have Lance Kendricks contract up. They don't have a veteran tight end on this team. Robert Tanyan, Big Bob, is hardly a proven commodity. We have no idea what he is as an NFL player, in part because Mike McCarthy refused to play him, refused to really use any of his tight ends in a way that made any sense. And that is the coaching part of this. The Packers, with Matt LaFleur, this offense can use the tight end in a way that makes sense. Remember, for whatever you think of Mercedes Lewis and whatever you think of Martellus Bennett, each of them said the Mike McCarthy offense is not conducive to a tight end, a good tight end even. And Jeff Janis was recently on a podcast talking about the archaic Mike McCarthy route tree and route concepts and how even creating opportunities and, and thriving with them does not guarantee future opportunities. And, and you know, you look at what Jimmy Graham did over the course of the season. He did not give maximum effort. He did not give them the contributions they wanted, and he did not give effort in the run game as a blocker. At least one of those things is Mike McCarthy's fault, and that is, at the very least, he should not have been relying so often on Jimmy Graham to make critical seal blocks and pull blocks and pass protection calls that, that Graham is, is making important blocks as part of this offense, especially when you have Mercedes Lewis, who's one of the best blocking tight ends, if not the best blocking tight end in the league. You bring in Matt LaFleur with an offense that can make a mediocre tight end better because of the way tight ends are used in this offense. A lot of play action, a lot of opportunities to get into open space, leak plays, 
because Jimmy Graham can still run in a straight line. He's not as fast as he used to be, but he can if he if he has some space, he can catch and run. What he can't do at this point in his career is in isolation beat linebackers and safeties consistently. He can get open against zone coverage, he can find zones, and he can get open over the middle of the field. That is where he's always been at his best, but that's not where the Packers used him. So if you're making a case from the Packers standpoint, you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, even if we like Big Bob Tanyan, and even if we like this tight end class, and there are plenty of reasons to like this tight end class, I really like this tight end class, you're likely not going to get big time contributions from a rookie tight end. It is, it is widely considered one of the most difficult positions to adjust to in the NFL because you're not just having to adjust in the run game, you're having to adjust in the passing game. And that is more complex. It's more complicated than basically any other non-quarterback position because you're having to learn to read defenses, you're having to learn protection calls, you're having to do more scouting against guys you might have to face blocking, guys you are going to have to face in your route running, all of that stuff, that weighs heavily on a rookie. And so even if the Packers draft someone, and and I, I don't think this at all precludes them from drafting someone, we'll get to that in a second, but even if they draft someone at 30, at 44, in the third round, in the fourth round, whenever, even if they draft someone, he is unlikely to make a big contribution in year one. It would still be nice to have a tight end with some experience that can give you that veteran presence. And, and he did, even though he did not initially and over the course of the season, develop that chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. After a year, you think that they can start to build that a little bit more. It takes time to build that kind of chemistry. So, there is this is this is the case. I'm I'm making the case for this move and I'm making the case the argument from the Packers perspective. Now when it comes to the draft, the Packers after this year, so a year from now, can cut Jimmy Graham and the the dead cap money is basically half, 3.6 million dollars. That money is easy to hand wave. So if Graham is not good, and or even if he is and you just don't want to pay him anymore a year from now you can move on but you have a bridge tight end we talk about a bridge quarterback but if it is true and i think it is the case that tight end is is the second most difficult position to assimilate into the nfl life from college then it makes sense that if you have bridge quarterbacks there is also some sort of logic and rationale to having a bridge tight end Jimmy Graham in a new offense, an offense that features the, the tight end a little bit more and puts them in a better position to succeed with a coach that is a much more innovative, a much more modern thinker and is able to get guys free. I mean, we just saw Kyle Shanahan turn George Kittle into Rob Gronkowski 2.0. Jimmy Graham is not going to do that. But this offense, the way it's set up, can facilitate an ease of access, an ease of opportunity for its tight ends. The Rams basically are tight end by committee. 
the Patriots need two or three plays from Gronk a game. They put him in the best position to succeed, but he also can block, and they use him that way. The Saints, they were sort of tight end by committee. The Chiefs nearly won the AFC Championship game, and Travis Kelsey was basically a ghost. Not every team has to be the Eagles with two tight ends that can block and catch, and they can they can roll out two tight end formations, three tight end formations. They can split two tight ends out and have monster matchups. That doesn't have to be every team. That's not going to be every team. But when it comes to the draft... I do think, and I've said this before, I think you have to take someone like Noah Fant and wonder what his value is for Green Bay because TJ Hawkinson is a great blocker and a very, very talented receiver with upside. That makes sense to pair with Jimmy Graham, short-term and long-term, because Big Bob Tanyan could be the next pure move tight end on this team. Irv Smith Jr., is a tight end who can move and who can legitimately block. Ditto for Caden Smith. These are guys that could be available at 30, guys that could be available at 44. Noah Fan is not a bad blocker. He's not a great blocker. He's not super useful there. That's not what he does. That's not where his value is. He's much more like Jimmy Graham as a true move tight end. This offense would work much more smoothly with another tight end who can block with Jimmy Graham. And then you can use those two tight end formations. You can, you can do some interesting things with Graham and actually put him in a position to succeed. But that only works if your other tight end can actually be a, a boon for you in the run game. And I, I just, especially in year one, but even down the line, that's unlikely to be Noah Fant. And, and this is a discussion we can have another day. But Fant is not so talented as a receiver and and he is not so much better as a receiver than the Smiths or Hawkinson. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced he's he's better overall than some of those guys. Certainly not Hawk and certainly not Irv Smith Jr. I think both are better tight end prospects overall. But he is not so much better at a receiver as a receiver that we can just hand wave the questions about blocking and in terms of fit. Someone like Irv Smith Jr. at 30 or Caden Smith at 44 fit this offense better. They make them better. They make them more improved than Noah Fant. And that, and I'm, I'm going to keep harping on this, and I'm sorry if, if it is annoying to you, the point of the draft is to pick the player that makes you maximally improved. Given Jimmy Graham's presence, it's hard to imagine a scenario where that player is no offense. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. And sometimes it's about personnel. Sometimes it's about the draft. Sometimes it's about free agency. But it's also about who to bet on. And the truth is, I don't always know who's going to win. Uh, but if you think you know, you should go to my bookie. Remember, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, which is why I always tell you to go to my bookie. They've been in business for years, have great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. They have live in-game betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and when you win, they pay fast. Join now and my bookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar. 
and use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to get that offer. So go to my bookie and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25 because at my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, I promised I would get to your questions. We are going to get to your questions. I mentioned there were a bunch from Facebook, so let's start with one from Facebook. This is Robert from California. With all the talk about us getting a pass rusher and a wide receiver and a linebacker, where does getting better safeties in the secondary become a priority? And that dovetails, it's basically the same question, more or less, with this question I got from Richie on Twitter, uh, with so many different holes to fill with both free agency and the draft as tools. Which position would you think is prioritized more in free agency versus the draft in terms of just quality of talent available? For instance, there's probably four edge rushers worthy of first round buzz, but maybe only one safety. Would that mean that safety is the position you have to attack in free agency? These questions are related. And I think I think the points of, of both are well taken. I have made the point before that I believe if the Packers upgrade the right guard position and the outside linebacker position, that they can live with the safeties they have on this team. Especially if Oren Burks can take a step forward and be the sort of uh, fast, rangy, athletic, overhang defender that he was drafted to be. That said, I think there's something to this point that Richie is making because there are more than four edge rushers worthy of first-round buzz, definitely more than four. And I think there's probably two safeties, Deontay Thompson and Nasir Adderley, who are potential first-round players. I think one or both could be available to Green Bay at 30. And, and frankly, I, I have not seen enough mock drafts consider the possibility of, of the Packers taking one of them at 30. But I, th- when you look at the guys available in free agency, there are some top-level linebacker talents. Anthony Barr, Frank Clark, probably going to get tagged, but could be available. Brandon Graham could be available. Eagles have some serious cap problems. Shaquille Barrett, his, his tenure in Denver likely coming to an end after the draft. That included Bradley Chubb. Could someone like Barrett come in for cheap, opening the door for Green Bay to go after a player like Landon Collins or Earl Thomas? There are some some lower-level price options, guys like Trey Boston, that are going to be on this list. And there could be others who become cap casualties. Safety has to be on the list of priorities, at the very least for the Packers this offseason. That list, again, right guard, Outside linebacker, safety. That is the top of the Packers list. Tight end is a little further down. Offensive tackle, a little further down. Maybe another receiver, a slot receiver, a little further down. Safety is a priority. But I think the the thought at this point is that Green Bay can attack that priority in free agency. Theoretically, they can attack multiple they can sign a competent right guard for five, six, seven million. They can sign Shaq Barrett, you know, at a number much lower than what Anthony Barr is likely to command, and that would leave them money for someone like Earl Thomas or Landon Collins. There is still a pathway to getting a Barr, a Thomas, and one of those quality starting right guards. 
there are plenty of options out there. I don't think Green Bay needs to say, okay, well, we can get a pass rusher in the draft, so we need to hunt for a safety and free agency. They should find where they think the, the players that they can get good value for in free agency, guys that can fill needs for them at a reasonable price, and they should sign as many of them as they can. Because even if they sign a Shaq Barrett or an Anthony Barr, there are still tremendous pass rushers in this class that would come in and make them better. It's not as if if they sign one, suddenly that means they can't draft one as well. And so, you know, I don't don't worry too much about that interplay because I don't think you should say, okay, well, the draft is rich in this kind of player, so the Packers don't need to sign that same kind of player. No, go get that guy and figure it out later. The the Bears, you know, as silly as it was to, to spend all that money on Mike Glennon, they signed a quarterback that they thought was going to help their team. That was dumb, and they overpaid for that player. They couldn't have known Mitch Trubisky was going to be there and make sense for them where they picked. Now, that's only sort of true, but I think it's a good example. You go into free agency trying to fill holes, and if you're the Bears and you're you have the third pick, and you like Mitch Trubisky so much, you're willing to, to move up to two and get him. Uh, maybe don't. Maybe don't with the Mike Glennon thing. But if you're the Packers and you're picking 12th and 30th, and you don't want to move up, you don't know who's going to be available to you at 12. You don't know who's going to be available to you at 30 or 44. There could be a run on pass rushers, and suddenly you're you're sitting there at 12, and the best guy on the board, you know, is is a position that you don't want to take is a guy that you don't think can help your team as much as some of these other guys. So it's just one of those things where you need to go into free agency and say, where are the players who can help us? What do they cost? And who makes sense from a value standpoint? It seems like the best way to upgrade the safety position this year is to do that in free agency. That and, and right guard. That is, those are two clear options. If they can get an outside linebacker bargain and then go into the draft and, and take a player or two at that position, that's great. Safety is going to have to be addressed in all likelihood in free agency, and I would say it is a priority. All right, this question also from Facebook. Hello, my name is Andy from Myrtle Beach. Just started listening to your show about two weeks ago and have really enjoyed the content. I was curious for your take. Do you foresee our team picking up a power running back this offseason to complement our new coach? and coordinators zone run offense. Again, love the content and now a happy subscriber. Andy, I think the Packers have that power runner. They have Jamal Williams. That guy is a hammer. He is a physical downhill one cut runner. He's not going to dance in the hole. He just wants to get downhill and he is more than willing to come hit somebody. That's not the problem. The problem is not their running back's abilities to make guys miss or to break tackles or to be power running backs. That's not the problem for this offense. We discussed this a little bit yesterday in our Le'Veon Bell discussion. I, I don't think that is something that they need to worry about. Now, could they add a pass-catching running back? Could they bring in a Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma? There are some guys in the draft that could come in and, and give them a little bit of juice in the passing game. That is a place where I think you can look at the Packers and say, this is where they can get better at running back. I don't think a a power back, a goal line back, I mean, I think those are anachronistic in in the modern NFL. I just don't think that's a thing anymore. It's not a thing you need. 
And the Packers running back right now, from a running standpoint, a pure running the ball standpoint, they have more than enough talent there to get the job done. You want to ask me any kind of question, you can do that. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Uh, you can do it at the podcast at Locked on Packers. Send me a message on Facebook. Subscribe on Facebook. Leave a review on Facebook. People read those. So if you like the show, I, we, we've gotten a couple this month. People saying, hey, really like this show. I listen when I work out in the morning or I listen on my way to work, whatever it is. Let other people know why you're listening to Locked on Packers. You can do it by subscribing, by leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, you can you can play us on your smart speaker if you have one. Okay, Google, play Locked on Packers. Alexa, play Locked on Packers. We are there, and we are the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. The show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to send us a question here that you want to have featured on the show, Facebook, Twitter, those are good options, but also... That's what we have, the Locked on Packers fan hotline specifically designed for. Call it, text it, whatever you want to do. Just hit us up there, 920-341-3775, and stay Locked on Packers.